God has really blessed me. You know, he let me work in D.C., let me work with EIB and Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And he's shown me through all those experiences that there is one problem and one solution, and that's why we do this show. Welcome to A Disciple's View with Todd Herman. When the God of the universe created the world, he didn't snap his fingers or wink his eye. He spoke, he said, let there be light. And because we believe, we speak about the happenings in this world, mindful that our true home is with Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Welcome to Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. And the plan for the show just changed. Just now. There's a sheet in front of me, and we'll probably get to this news. I think it's important. It is important. But God just planted right into my mind just the notion of visiting with you for a second. That would be okay. I took a break. I don't, my wife accuses me of not knowing how to take breaks, of not knowing to, 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 to how to not work. And I took a break that a lot of people thought was really strange. Why would you take a break this way? And what I did is I rented a house uh, down on Coeur d'Alene Lake. I, uh, I broadcast uh, from Idaho. The high mountains of free Idaho, we say. The high mountains of free America in, in Idaho. And this place is about 25 minutes from my house. And I took about four days by myself. And again, people would say, wait, without your family? Yeah, I took a little time to breathe. And we came back together and had a truly blessed Thanksgiving. And I'll tell you about that later. A really just great blessing for us. But in that time alone, I did something I haven't done a lot of, which is uh, just spontaneous journaling. Have you ever done this? I I woke up with the Bible and uh, interspersed reading the word and writing down thoughts. So sometimes the thoughts were related to what I was reading in the word. Sometimes they were things with which I was wrestling. And I was invited into a wrestling match uh, with God. I've, I mean, I've, I've wrestled. I've had uh, discussions with God. I've asked God why. But really wrestling in the solitude of that house. And the wrestling matches, are, some of them are intensely personal, so I'll probably not share them. And in the midst of this, though, there were times to gather. And people find this very odd. I actually had my family over one night and cooked dinner and, and we visited briefly and between my daughter's busyness in college and my wife's busyness as a, as a tutor and homemaker, we took that time in that little rental house. But it was really these moments of self-reflection and this journaling, this open journaling that led me to a lot of realities about where God wants me and doesn't want me. But yeah, there were times to gather. I had plans with a dear friend of mine who's godly and a better person than I am. And he's not quite half my age. He's a little bit older than half my age. Uh, he gifted me with, uh, with allowing us to go into our CrossFit gym early. He's a coach there in addition to being a sports medicine doc. And we took the boys in from a youth group I'm, I'm gifted to lead with a friend of mine named Andy. 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning. 
teenage boys showing up for workouts. And then we had scheduled for that afterwards a cold soak in that same Coeur d'Alene Lake. Yeah, it's, it's November here too. And yeah, for a lot of people, the water is frightfully cold. Now, before this occurred, the day before, I got a note that one of the coaches at the gym had learned that she has a brain tumor. She's a young woman, vitally, vitally, in, in, in vitally good health. And I thought, A, oh my gosh, how? Just prior to Thanksgiving, how? And this woman trains her, her, her father who was supposed to die after his triple bypass, but because of her physical training of him, the doctor said, if you had not been training, you'd be dead. She's worried about him dying, and now she is the one. And it was so serious that the doctor said, we are not waiting. We're removing this now. And so that was prior to this Sunday morning. You know, obviously, we were praying for her, and now it's public knowledge that this has occurred, so I'd appreciate it if you would pray for Chandra. Showing up at the gym then, I knew that it's going to be a different environment. First of all, no one was going to be there, but they decided to have a prayer session at the gym for Chandra, who we call Chani. So that was going to happen right after our workout. And my coach and her husband were the ones who organized this. Really, my coach did. Coach, coach organized it, the prayer thing. And so when coach showed up with her husband, I said, hey, I get it if the boys should not be here for this, if we should just leave because they don't know Channy. And coach said, yeah. Uh, she goes, but you do. You know her. I said, yeah, but I can pray anywhere. She goes, yeah, it's an intimacy thing. So after this workout, after this just sweating the boys, after taking them through a workout that none of them have ever done, not that style, we went to the lake to soak. Madness. When we showed up to the lake, I think the air temp was about 34 degrees. No, it's a little warm, about 36. And I started to talk to the boys about what's going to happen. And they said, oh, here comes the pep talk. I said, no, it's not the pep talk. I'm not going to give you a pep talk. I'm just going to tell you what is going to happen to your body. I said, everything in your body is going to tell you to get out of that water. So first of all, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk in together. Everything in your body is going to tell you to get out and you're going to refuse. And here's what I've noticed. If people can make it through two minutes, they can make it through 10. It's the first 30 seconds that are crucial because everything in your body is going to be telling you to get out. So you're going to control your breathing. Uh, We started to walk in. Some of the boys hesitated. One boy ran in with me. He screamed the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Because if you run in screaming, your body thinks, oh, we're in danger. We're in danger. So he's, he's an excitable guy. Love this guy. Love all these boys. Eventually, five of the six boys got in the water. One boy backed out. Couldn't do it. And we soaked. Here's the part I want you to know about. In the midst of the soaking in really cold water, two of the boys said together at the very same time, Todd, what's your friend's name? The woman they're praying for. Said her name is Chandra. And they said prayers for Chandra. 
And here we were in this cold water, looking out at the sun that had recently risen across one of the most picturesque, beautiful mountain lakes in the world. And the boys' thought were, thoughts were of a woman they'd never met. How beautiful that God touched them that way. And then they prayed prayers of praise for his sunrise, for his lake, for the hormones he was releasing in their bodies so they could stay in the water. And when my watch went off and I said to the boys, we'll do five minutes. When my watch went off, I said, that's it, that's five minutes. And they said, really? I said, here's the big test. Can we all go underwater, get our heads wet, just get dunked down in? And we did. We got out of the water and they were so enthusiastic about what they had done and what God had helped them to do. And God was right there in the center of this. Chandra had her operation. My coach texted me and she, I asked her what's going on. And she texted me and said, Chani's awake and she's smiling. And we're not in the clear yet because we haven't yet found out what's going on biologically. But the tumor, they went in and that's gone. Oh, there's one other thing. Yeah, there was a purpose to the soak. See, the purpose to the soak was just bonding, hanging out with the fellas, getting to know each other in that sense, but something else. Those boys are in a war. And the war is for their bodies. It's for their bodies, which contain their souls. Those boys face always-on pornography. They face that temptation on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. We do talk about this. It's uncomfortable, but we talk about it. We talk about the sexual pressures the expectations to be sexually active immediately and with a bunch of people in a bunch of different ways. My hope is that by learning that they could say no, when every, every bit of their body is screaming for them to get out of the water in that terribly cold lake that instead they prayed. As God released those hormones to warm them that caused them to feel okay. The the dopamine response from a cold soak like that lasts longer than heroin. The uplift, the, the mood. Well, having the Holy Spirit indwelled in us lasts for eternity. But so often kids fall into this temptation. There are also boys who are going to have to lead women who don't want to be led and in fact find the entire idea offensive as do many women my wife included isn't that isn't that happy about that notion and so it's my job to be the sort of godly husband that isn't really leading but is in fact being led and allowing myself to be led and after all we are to submit to one another And so those boys will face that challenge as well. So it wasn't just to work out and bond with the fellows. It was that. That was the primary goal. I love these kids. 
I got to hang out with them. I got to work out with them and bond. That's primarily the goal. I got to share a sport I love with them. I love CrossFit because of its many, many sports and because it can be very, very brutal and can take us into a place that we call the pain cave. I love that. I love being able to climb ropes at my age and to do things that I shouldn't be doing at my age. I'm very thankful for that. But I'll never forget boys who are being raised in a generation of self. Oh, later this week, we'll talk about self. Uh, you may have seen, just by virtue of what these boys are facing and wish to explain it, you may have seen the um, Cosmopolitan article. And if you've not, we'll spend some time on this week. There's a Cosmopolitan magazine article that teaches women and girls how to have a satanic abortion ritual complete with basically a chant or a pledge to Satan. Oh, the pledge is about their bodies, their will. Oh, and their blood. They're a promise unto themselves with their blood being that which keeps the promise. I'll actually quote it for you. Oh, by the way, the woman who runs this is apparently Samuel Alito's mother. The article's careful to point out that they don't really believe in Satan. Though they're members of the satanic temple, they just think of him as a mascot. Very careful to explain that. I wonder, does he care that they've deluded themselves into thinking that he's just a mascot? I would say he doesn't. It's into that world as well that these boys go in a state of war. We're all in a spiritual war. You are the product of warfare. Your children and grandchildren are the product of warfare. Are they armed in ways to be able to deny the flesh? I'm in my mid-50s. I'm not always successful at that. Where are you at with it? That's a little bit of my thanksgiving, for which I'm so thankful. There's a lot going on politically. It's important. We'll talk about that next. I'm Todd Herman. This is The Disciples View. Todd Herman, this is The Disciples View. Appreciate you putting up with the change uh, in the first segment, just talking about young men and young women, and all of us, we're in, in war. We're in a spiritual war. So you are the product of warfare. And being the product of warfare, we're, a lot of us are traumatized and, and don't realize it. Um, spiritual trauma is a real thing. Obviously, we believe, at least you know, committed Christians do, we believe that the demonic is real, that Satan's a real being, and we live in a time where the warfare seems so pronounced. It's a weird war, though, because we've won. <laughs> on, a, on a spiritual basis, we've won. When we give our life to the Lord Jesus and treat him as our king and, and our Messiah, and we follow him and give our life to him and we 
choose the activities that display that love, like being baptized displays that love and the works that follow as we're filled with the fruits of the Spirit, it becomes hard not to do the works. Beautiful thing. That we have won that war. And there are signs across the world of at least a political awakening. And here's my theory, is we as human beings have within us God's rights and wrongs. That's not my statement. Apostle Paul makes that clear, that even people who never exposed the law have God's rights and wrongs within them, people who've never met the Lord Jesus. We, we are imbued with, that's right and that's wrong. C.S. Lewis talked about, why does a baby know it's wrong to take from them? Right? Why? Because it's wrong. That's a very simple, perhaps banal explanation. But people also have a sense of evil if they've not been consumed by it. And there are people who are consumed by evil. They can't sense it any more than a fish can sense being in water. Any more than someone who has cats can smell their cats. We have cats. That's one of the things I noticed when I came back from my vacation was, wow, we have cats. How would you know? Because I can smell that we have cats. But you get so exposed to it, sometimes you can't tell. In Netherlands, the Dutch people have, uh, have given a great governing majority to a guy named um, uh, Geert uh, Wilders, who is going to have the biggest governing majority in that parliament system that's existed for years. Remember, Dutch ranchers were told, you're going to kill a huge percentage of your cattle and then destroy the meat. You're not going to sell it. You're not going to eat it. You're going to destroy it. And you're going to agree to shut down your ranching businesses. Oh, we'll buy them from you right now. Unless you don't sell us from sell us the ranches. Then we'll take them and give you what we decide they're worth. Oh, and by the way, if you don't play along, you'll never be allowed to raise food again in the EU country. In, in no EU country will you ever again be allowed to raise livestock. That's evil. People sensed it. Garrett Wilders is now wielding a majority. It happens in Argentina. It's happening perhaps in Spain. It's near to happening. It's so fascinating that the United States media absolutely, absolutely refuses to spend any time at all talking about 200,000 to maybe half a million people in the streets in Spain demanding the ouster of what they consider to be a socialist coup. Well, I should say most media. Tucker Carlson now freed from Fox News is not most media. He can go talk about things that aren't to be discussed in ways they're not to be discussed. And Tucker, praise God for this, Tucker apparently recognizes the spiritual warfare that's going on. So Tucker Carlson talked with Santiago Abascal, the opposition party leader in Spain, where, as they say, hundreds of thousands of citizens have protested what they view as a socialist coup for seven straight days. I think it's important for the rest of the world to understand that for many years, Spain has been the testing ground of extreme wokeness, extreme climate agendas, and incredibly radical gender laws since 2004. Spain is also the gateway to the Islamization of Europe. Given its geographic position, it has been one of the main victims of mass immigration. We shouldn't forget the importance of Spain's connections to the rest of Ibero-America and Latin America, 
Spain has had an outsized influence, although it's not so influential now. But Spain can either slow narco-communism or become the spearhead for narco-communism. We should recognize that Spain is the only country in Europe with communist ministers in our government. That's a dynamic worth understanding, and it should be viewed with concern. Narco-terrorism. What a fascinating phrase. I call this uh, what we have on our southern border, narco-terrorism, he calls it narco-communism. Incidentally, the voice, and I should have made this clear, um, a producer of mine used AI, artificial intelligence, to do this translation. It's well done, but it's not that man's voice. Clearly, we couldn't run that because most of us don't speak his language. I just wanted to make that clear. He doesn't speak like a robot, in other words, although it's pretty well done. So there they have narco-communism. Here we have narco-terrorism. There, that's allowed to run wild. Here it is too. The most censored article in the world, in my judgment, was called the Project Cassandra. It detailed with seven named sources in the federal government who were working there at the time, Barack Obama's decision to allow the Taliban and Hamas to ship drugs into our country over, across, through, and under our southern border in cooperation with Mexico-based narco-terrorists. He said it was to preserve the peace deal with the Taliban. So he stopped the arrests. He meddled in the DOJ. In Spain, it's being allowed as well. You're in a time of war. Spiritual war, for sure. Cultural war, Absolutely. It's a toppling, and yet we've already won. And we can have spiritual immunity from the lies by simply judging each spirit according to the fruit of the spirit. So Tucker Carlson had this discussion with Abascal, and Abascal talked about the end of democracy. Well, this government has not yet, uh, the government has yet to be elected, but we have voted in normal legislative sessions for our governments to enact certain public policies. Nonetheless, this administration has undertaken a constituent process and has proposed legislation to grant amnesty for the worst crimes committed by public servants, crimes against the Constitution, and crimes against national unity. Certainly, Pedro Sanchez is a politician who awards amnesty to other politicians in exchange for their vote so he can stay in power. He is a politician who is forgiving the debts of a specific region in order to gain the votes from those representatives and perpetuate himself in power. It is the greatest act of corruption that a politician can commit, but his efforts also seek to change the Constitution. The amnesty law has no place in our Constitution. He has raised the hackles of all of the judicial sectors of the country, all of the legal and bar associations, regardless of their ideological stances, and they have spoken out in the strongest of terms. Judges in Spain today, judges from the, the government, as well as judicial associations, are all warning of the beginning of the end of democracy. They are warning of the abolition of the rule of law, and they are warning of the brutal attack against the separation of powers. Praise God that the leader of the opposition party, interviewed by Tucker Carlson, and again, his voice being um, mimicked, as it were, through AI, so we could have the proper translation, Santiago Abascal, talks about something that sounds like home doesn't it? Figurehead Biden continues to defy the Supreme Court who said you don't get to take loans that people took out to go to college and pretend to forgive them by forcing other people to pay them. You don't get to do that. 
and yet Biden is intent on buying those votes. And remember that the government loan process for college was a seizure. They seized the college loan business in all but one state, Nebraska. Nebraskans can get college loans not backed by the federal government. How did that happen? Because of the Cornhusker kickback, Senator from Nebraska said, oh, I'll vote for Obamacare, but not unless my state gets a waiver from college loans going to the federal government. It's called the Nebraska kickback. That's how they did it. Cornhusker kickback, forgive me. Sounds so familiar, doesn't it? And waivers, amnesty. Well, the FBI has given amnesty to Joe Biden. CNN announced this past week there's going to be no charges on the documents cases with Joe Biden because he did it the right way. Unlike the orange man, who's very dangerous. And in fact, he's literally Hitler, they say. Joe Biden had more documents over more years. He stole some of them when he was a senator who could not declassify them at all. The argument can't even be made. But yes, 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 it's very different because Trump is so orange. Praise God. His mercy endures forever. Even now, he's showing us. You could choose politics as your religion. In this continuing discussion between Tucker Carlson and the opposition party leader, Santiago Abascal, they, they talked more. And, and since leaders opposed to the agenda of the World Economic Forum are being attacked with lawfare and some, like Donald Trump, being threatened with prison, Tucker Carlson asked Spain's opposition party leader, Abascal, if he's ready to go to jail. Are, are you ready to go to jail for this? I'm, and I'm willing to see this through to the end. To the very end, I represent the political force of Spaniards who love their country and their own liberty above all else. And I'm not the only person who is willing to go the distance because Spain is still a united nation and Spaniards will fight to see our freedoms and equality under the law protected. I believe that our children and their future deserve all of our dedication in this fight. I love that Tucker is using his newfound freedom this way. And question is, why isn't this on other networks? 200 to 500,000 people in the streets. Well, it's probably for the same reason that we have the Washington Post choosing to lie about the guy who apparently stabbed little girls in Ireland. You saw this. The Post said, oh, he's not an immigrant. No, he's been here for 20 years. He's an immigrant that's been there for 20 years. Or the Prime Minister of Ireland talking about a little girl who was lost. She got lost. And now she's found. Praise God. He said his prayers have been answered. She was lost when she was stolen from her home by Hamas terrorists. She was found when, through a deal between they and the Israeli government, she got to go home after having been kidnapped all this time. Why did he say it that way? Because he is a man of lies. Satan, of course, is a liar, thief, and a murderer from the very, very beginning, and we can follow the fruits of this. We who put the word of God in our hearts, on our foreheads, and our minds, we gain not just spiritual immunity from death, but we gain immunity against the world because we can check all spirits. We can say, wait, do I see the fruit of the spirit with these people? Are they speaking the truth about the history of the Israeli people? Because there is a truth to be spoken. 
They cannot, many of them, even know that Satan has a specific design to go kill Jewish people because it would make God a liar. Likewise, they can't see that we've seen leaders like this throughout history. We've seen movements like this that intend to crush people. God doesn't intend to crush. He rains manna from heaven upon us. So back to this discussion between Tucker Carlson and the opposition party leader in Spain, Santiago Abascal. A a familiar name, once briefly banned from use on Fox News, is heavy in the mind of Abascal as he and his fellow Spanish patriots fight the socialist takeover. One of the things that Spain has in common with other Western countries that are becoming less democratic is the involvement of George Soros, who's a major player in Spanish politics. Why would George Soros, who is not Spanish, has no connection to Spain that I'm aware of, be involved to the degree that he is in Spanish politics. George Soros is Hungarian. Not only is he unloved in Hungary, he's not well regarded in other countries around the world because he tries to exert his influence. George Soros was the first person to meet with the president of the Spanish government, Pedro Sanchez, when he was elected. I questioned Pedro Sanchez instead. I'm sorry, George Soros was the first person to meet with the newly elected left-wing Spanish president. George Soros. Exactly. that, that's the news that was published in Spain, and the government has never denied it. When I questioned President Sanchez about that meeting, he never answered before Parliament. He has never answered clearly. They admire people like that. There is this curious alliance between the extreme left and global multimillionaires. It is a strange alliance for this left wing that had been anti-globalization, but which now joins forces with the multimillionaires who want to rule the world and want to tell you how to live our lives while they live like kings. It's curious and easily explained. It's the China model. They look at China and they covet. Oh, we could have the ability to force people to purchase our products. Yeah, Obamacare forces people to purchase products they don't want from companies they don't like for services they can't need they can't use at prices they cannot afford perfect capitalism the modified rna injections forcing people to take products they don't want that cannot help them at prices they can't afford because they're free except of course the nation's paying for it that's what they seek control in every single way right down to the bodies of people Not just the words, but the bodies. Now, remember, if you heard the first segment, we talked about our bodies and how we're in control of them. God gave us his controls. He gave us the ability to stop our bodies from getting out of cold water, from getting into sin. Flee from the devil. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We also have been given the great, great gift of light. For light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Christ is both the way and the map and the light. He's all three. And that's a way that we can view these world events in the proper scope so that we aren't taken in by Pedro Sanchez's and the people who run Joe Biden and the Gavin Newsom's of the world and gender theory and critical race theory and because we can check all spirits. We're already immune to death as servants of Christ. Let us be immune to the world's lies. We'll come back with the Tower of Babbling. I'm Todd Herman. This is A Disciple's View.
This is Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman, and I appreciate you. And great notes uh, I got over the the holiday and the couple of pre-recorded shows that we did. I, I really appreciate that. Um, one in particular, we'll we'll get to tomorrow about being convicted. Uh, God convicting a gentleman through the radio show on Friday, and I think I said as I recorded, I had no control and still don't, over who turns in. It's one of the magical things about live radio. It's just a tune-in mechanism. Podcasting's different. People have to make a decision to do that. I have a podcast that you can subscribe to. It's called The Todd Herman Show. It's easy. There's a podcast app probably on your phone. Like if it's a Google or Apple phone, there is. Just search for The Todd Herman Show. I'm the old guy with the gray beard standing in a field of uh, uh, outside of a lake. It's a little swamp. You'll find it. It's at ToddHermanShow.com. It's different because right? people make that decision. Live radio is a tune-in mechanism, so I can't wait to share some of these notes with you as people tuned in on Thanksgiving Day uh, and tuned in the day after Thanksgiving. I also share with you something that happens in our home for Thanksgiving. Uh, some people would call us a trauma family because it's something that befell our daughter and some ways she responded to that. And it was horrific. It was the scariest three years of my life. And in fact, my body doesn't produce much adrenaline anymore because for three years I was in a fight or flight mode. But I'll tell you something coming up that happened during Thanksgiving. Just a quick note, on, and this is the sort of notes we get. This came to my website. This is from Beth in Pennsylvania. Dear Todd, I was gifted to tune in to your radio show on AFR on Thanksgiving to hear you talking about being thankful for pain. It left me sitting in the driveway of my divorced husband's home as I was going to pick up our kids. They'd spent Thanksgiving with him. As I sat listening to this, my ex-husband came and knocked gently on the window. And for the first time since our divorce, he said, Beth, come and have pie with us and the kids. I went into his home. His girlfriend welcomed me. That was hard. But she said, I do hope that you can have a spirit of forgiveness for us. And so I ate pie in their home. I'm working on being thankful for the pain. What an amazing thing to tune into, just as my ex-husband made the decision to act with kindness towards me. On the way home, our kids were curiously silent. I asked them, what'd you feel about that? Said it was weird, but it was cool. That's the sort of things that happen. Live radio can't happen with podcasting. On this program, the last segment is largely dedicated to, well, two things, a personal wrap-up, and we'll get to that, but also we like to thank the Lord for placing the supposedly wise on tall towers of shaking sand with our feature called The Tower of Babbling. You know about the biblical truth of the Tower of Babel. A Disciple's View presents... Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Trans women are women, trans men are men, and non-binary people are non-binary. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. The Tower of Babbling. So figurehead Biden knows exactly why Hamas attacked Israel. 
It's because of that man's genius. What are you hearing from them when you talk to them? What would you like to see them do? I'm hearing a lot, but I'm not going to speak to it right now. There's an overwhelming desire on the part of the region to... Let me back up. I'm, I cannot prove what I'm about to say. But I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. Well, he also spoke about a railroad underground and a pipeline and news to a lot of people, probably including him. Uh, There was a thing called the Abraham Accords. Huh, that existed. And then figurehead Biden began to hand Iran money And Iran has attacked our troops now 17 times. And the response of the people in the White House is, well, there's some days where they don't attack us. Second of two audio clips in today's Tower Babbling. I mentioned him earlier. The Prime Minister of Ireland, who pretends kids who were taken by Hamas, just got lost and then found, reserves his frustrations for an entire race of people. And one thing I strongly agree with the deputy on is the need to target, set a target to have a a number of people from ethnic minorities in areas of the public service. We have a health service that's very diverse, although less so as you go up towards the senior positions, Uh, not so much in the Guardi, not so much in the Defence Forces, not so much in the education sector, as the deputy mentioned, not at all in the civil service, which is very white, including the Department of Equality, for example. Uh, and that actually needs to change. Um, so we need to have, I think, a target for people who come from ethnic minority backgrounds, uh, but also uh, dedicated recruitment campaigns to encourage people, because we do need uh, a generation of young people growing up in Ireland who are people of colour to see black and brown school principals, judges, Keen Corla perhaps in the future. Um, who knows? Uh, visibility uh, and opportunity is really important. If you're white, and have a powerful position and say that, you need to step down immediately just to show that you're honest. And the way to have racism, if you want more of it, if your goal is to have a bunch of racism and a bunch of hatred and division and those sins multiplied time and time again, here's a way to do it. Bring people in who hate your country, who hate your faith, who hate your religion, who hate your freedoms, Bring them in and then give them extra special rights and you will get hatred. Well, God's not a fan of the hatred. We're not to hate. Here's a way to do it in the other direction. Bring people in who are prepared to love your country. If their skin happens to be darker than yours and they're qualified to hold an office like that, by all means, have them in that office. But it has to start with love of country because if it starts with hate of country, you're seeing the results of what that is. We're seeing it here. It's purposeful. It's global. And it's hard because as Christians, our job is to love thy enemy. It's hard. Christ never said it would be easy. Last soundbite in today's Tower Babbling. Thank goodness for New Yorkers who stand ready to, well, talk about people taking migrants in their home, other people, that is.
Eric Adams recently came up with an idea to house migrants in private citizens' homes. Sounds good to me. Could you ever see yourself housing a migrant? Not right now, not at this point, no. If they want to put somebody up, then why shouldn't they? Would you be willing to sign this today and invite a migrant into your home? Um, no. I think that's like a really good idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? Could you ever see yourself housing a migrant in your home? I mean, totally. Yeah, why not? If you sign this, we can get a migrant into your home and as early as next week. Would you want to sign this today? No, because I live with my parents. Do you think you could ask your parents? I don't know. This would be like for your actual home for you to take in a migrant yourself. I literally live in a two bedroom with to take me in. <laughs> so they'll contact you, they'll set you up with a, with a migrant and they'll have them on your house in as early as one week. Thanks so much. I have this uh, this technique I use. It's called you go first. <clears throat> I use it with socialists all the time. You go first. I'll tell you what. You let me take a look at your bank accounts. And what I'll do is compare it to, let's say, a, a sample base of 1,000 people your age. And I will promise to equally redistribute what you have to them so that you guys are completely even. I have never had someone take me up on that. I do the same thing with all sorts of measures like this. That's a big one. You go first. And it shows that people so value the praise of men that they're willing to say things that they themselves know are not true. They don't want to take migrants into their homes, but they know they're supposed to say it. And that's a wrap for today's Tower of Babbling. That was the Tower of Babylon. I don't have anything to share with all of you at this time, uh, and uh, and I'll just I'll just leave it there. On a disciple's view, I do like to wrap the show up with just a little bit of a personal observation, and 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 the trait is this: that you guys are so kind to give your time to the radio show that I feel like you should know a little bit about the circus clown who hosts it. We went through a three-year period of utter, utter terror. Uh, watching our daughter make consistent and serious suicide attempts. And, and, and I won't belabor the point because I talk about it perhaps too much. I remember a time though when she was in the hospital and I found out later that there was someone lurking behind the scenes hoping to medically kidnap her. It happens in separate countries like Washington State. And I knew that was a possibility. I was on guard for that. But I brought games from home. One of our favorite games was Scrabble. And so we sat and we played Scrabble. My wife came in, all three of us in this hospital room in an ER. Why do we keep her in the ER? Well, because otherwise she could be sent to some of the capture places in the Seattle area that really will, really will con kids into becoming wards of those hospitals. They have people committed to that. That's their job is to take your kid. And you can say that's insane, and I can provide you family after family after family after family to whom it's happened. So in this game, our daughter spelled the most amazing word. It's a, um, it's a dessert. My mother's second husband, well, he wasn't really a husband. That's unfair. But he was the only grandpa that my daughter was gifted to know, Grandpa John. And it's a dessert called a Kringler. And Grandpa John loved his Kringlers. And her daughter spelled that word 
on a Scrabble board. It went across, as I recall, what went across uh, a double and a triple. So it was a massive amount of points. I still have a picture of it to this day. So this weekend, we paid Scrabble together. And our daughter just conquered the game towards the end of it with a 90-point word, honeydew. And I really prayed about, gosh, should I say this? I said, that's a recent record for family Scrabble. Great job. And she waited and waited and she sat on some letters and she competed in the game, keeping up with us, not, not committing these letters. She was holding them back. When she finally got the letter she needed, she raised her, yes. I said, that's the longest word since an emergency room. She said, Kringler. I said, yeah, you remember this? She goes, yeah, I spelled Kringler. Significant in this is the ability of what the world calls a trauma kid to be able to look back in a moment like that and find the light, the lightness of family bonding, a family tradition, Scrabble. My wife and daughter are mad, mad skilled at it. It's a heck of a competition between us. But for a daughter to reach back and find the light in that moment, so meaningful. Here's the piece she doesn't know. Maybe one day I'll tell her. That word saved her life because there was an activist social worker there who was one of those people that, hey, if a kid's cutting, if a kid is messed up in any way, it's because the parents are Christian conservatives. Those people exist. They want to rehome kids. It's called reparenting because you screwed them up by being Christian conservative. They don't really care about the source of the trauma. They don't really care that the kid had been great up until the trauma. It doesn't matter. It's their opportunity to make the world right by redistributing kids to households that will raise them adverse to God. Oh, how'd the word save her life? The ER physician and the psych nurse came by and they saw us laughing and they saw me taking a picture of the Scrabble board and the psych nurse came up to me and said, let me see, she said, what is that? I explained it and she goes, do you guys play Scrabble a lot? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a family game. We brought some others into the hospital, I hope you don't, you don't mind. And she turned around and there were a whole series of games, stuffed animals. And she said to me, do you mind if I talk to your daughter by myself? Yeah, I was scared because I know what can happen. But I said, sure, we'll, we'll exit the room. Have a good talk. She goes, it won't be 15 or 20 minutes. I said, take your time. We're here. She came out and said, this is exactly what I like to see from parents. She's going to be okay with you guys and this love. She's the one who saved us ultimately, from the medical kidnapping. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. Because we believe, we speak, because He first loved us, we speak His Word. We walk in the path of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Until God allows us to speak again, may the peace of God that transcends all understanding rest upon you. I'm Todd Herman. This has been A Disciple's View.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.